The Other Side. Written by Eric Garcia. Plot Synopsis. Andrew gets a promotion at work. Don Rogelio hosts a meeting at his home. Alejandro runs into a little trouble with the law. Robert confesses something to his friends. Extra Thoughts. This chapter is focused more on Andrew. Chapter 3 was more about Ophelia while Chapter 4 was more about Fresa all essential characters who have ties to Alejandro. This chapter has one of my favorite opening teasers. We meet more people involved in Alejandro's organization. We also go through Eric's day at school and after school. Disclosure. Let me remind you that several storylines here are fictionalized slash fictional. This is not a biography or of any relation to real people, places, or things. Copyright, Eric L. Garcia and alejandragaldoms.wordpress.com 2022 unauthorized use and or duplication of this material without express and written permission from this site's author and or owner is strictly prohibited excerpts and links may be used provided that full and clear credit is given to eric l garcia and alejandragaldoms.wordpress.com with appropriate and specific direction to the original content one teaser two good morning 3. The Round Table 4. The Other Side of the Law 5. He Has Risen 6. The Abduction of Alejandro Galdams Part 1 Scene 1. Teaser I Don't Want to Stop by Ozzy Osbourne Begins Playing We see two police officers exiting a restaurant with a man in a distinctive brown suit. The doors swing open but the camera doesn't show who the man is. The camera shows them walking in slow motion towards the police car which has its lights flashing. The camera then quickly shows an eagle view of the place and we are shown not one, but two police cars flashing their lights. The man in the brown suit was handcuffed because the camera makes sure we can now see handcuffs on him. The camera then shows a trailer pulling into the parking lot. It begins positioning itself in front of a black sedan. The camera then shows it's Alejandro in the handcuffs and I'm sure he's angry but his face remains emotionless. Who wouldn't feel angry being in handcuffs? He's loaded into the police car with one officer placing him into the vehicle and the other walking to the driver's seat. Alejandro is loaded into the police car and the other officer begins walking towards his own cop car. At that moment, Alejandro's car is hooked by the trailer. The noise of the locking of the truck to the trailer is heard in the background. The two police cars begin leaving the area with their sirens continuing to be on as they begin driving. The camera shows them beginning to drive in a straight line. The police officer by himself at the front of the line, the police car with Alejandro in the middle and the trailer dragging his car right behind them. The camera shows an aerial view of the cars driving in sync with each other. The camera then shows Alejandro now showing he's angry. Emotions have arrived on his face. He smiles a little and looks out the window. He sees that they are all driving in line with one another. He then looks at the camera which is right in front of him. He nods his head and takes a deep breath. His anger begins manifesting itself as he begins to wonder to himself. How did this happen? Why did this happen? Could this have been prevented? The screen then goes black with the music ending abruptly. Dash. Scene 2. Good morning. 7.02 AM. October 29, 2048. The camera walks around slowly going to Andrew's bedroom. The sun is shining yet so we imagine it's not morning yet. Andrew sits up and stretches. He yawns unintentionally. He turns to look to see if Carol woke up. She didn't. He stands up and puts on some workout gear. He goes outside to go for a jog. He begins running. The camera shows time go by. Andrew. 
You, can do this boy. Who? You're going to be a dad soon and. You need to stay in shape for them. Who's going to teach them how to shoot a basketball? Who's going to show them the ways of the force? I am. I will. Damn. Woo. Woo. My thighs are on fire already, who's going to teach them that football, is better when it's not two animals trying to kill each other. He looks at watch intently. Andrew. It's barely been 27 minutes. I can last another 7 minutes. I knew those tacos last night were a mistake. You have no one to blame but yourself buddy. Who? He begins slowing down and starts speed walking towards his apartment. He enters his house abruptly. Carol is sitting up in the bed while Andrew enters his house and he sees Carol sitting up and throws himself in the bed. Carol. Oh no. You smell baby. Andrew. Ah baby, who knew exercising was this hard? Carol. I did. I was half asleep and I woke up wondering why you didn't invite me? Am I not strong enough to go with you anymore? Andrew. Baby please. That's dangerous. We can go together after this pregnancy. Carol. Can we? We could. And then maybe bring the kids too? Andrew. Whoa, kids huh? You want another one already? Carol. Take me Mr. Lawyer. Win me the case and win it hard. Ah. Uh. Andrew. I gotta go shower. He sits up and kisses Carol. He begins walking to the bathroom. Carol. I'll go with you. She follows him closely behind as the water is running in the background already. Andrew. Stop. Let me shower in peace. Carol. Let me get clean with you. The camera begins leaving the bathroom. Andrew. You can come in but we only have hot water. Carol. I love it when it's hot. Andrew. My legs are going to be crying later. The screen goes black. Dash. Scene 3. The Round Table. 8.01 AM. October 29, 2048. The camera opens up with Alejandro doing a pull-up in his gym. He goes for another one and continues to hold onto the bar after pulling up for about 10 seconds. His face gets red. He lets go of the bar calmly. He stands catching his breath. Alejandro. I'll skip the cardio today. I had a good back workout anyways. I had to get the blood flowing. Sir Smith enters the workout room. Sir Smith. Sir, Andrew calls for you. He said he wouldn't be able to join you for breakfast at 9 but he says he can do lunch. Alejandro. Lunch? Sir Smith. Yes sir. At only o'clock. Alejandro. I can do lunch. Sir Smith. I'll let him know sir. Alejandro. Thank you Smith. The camera zooms in on him sweating with his gym clothes and then zooms out to him having breakfast in the kitchen all suited up. A brown suit. Almost perfectly creased and fitted. The camera shows a half-eaten bagel on his plate, a cup of coffee within arm's reach, and an open journal as Alejandro takes some kind of notes. The pen moves against the paper and it's the only noise in the house. It's almost scratching the paper and the noise continues for several moments. He puts the pen down and begins to drink the cup of coffee one sip at a time. The doorbell is rung. Smith walks over to check who it is and welcomes him in. It's George. George and Smith begin walking in unison towards the kitchen. George. Good morning Smith. Sir Smith. How's the morning going for you Mr. George? George. 
It's going to be a really long day today Smith. Really long. I can feel it. Sir Smith. Yes, perhaps it will be. I felt it this morning too. Well, good luck anyways sir. The maestro is in the kitchen right this way. George. Thanks, I'll need all the luck I can get. Sir Smith. I made a fresh batch of coffee if you'd like some. George. I could go for coffee. Sir Smith begins walking to the kitchen with Smith. Sir Smith. It's not regular coffee. Better than regular coffee. Have a seat and I'll pour you a glass. George. I can prepare it Smith. I'm sure you have a million things to do. Thank you though. I appreciate it. Sir Smith. That I do, as you wish. Make yourself at home. George enters the kitchen as if it's his house. He pours himself a little bit of milk and prepares himself a cup of coffee. Alejandro sips his cup of coffee at the table and appears to be writing notes down in a journal. He puts the pen down and begins speaking. Alejandro. George? George. Good morning Don. I hope you don't mind. Smith said it was okay. Alejandro. I don't mind at all. We could all use a cup or maybe an extra cup. Let's head out son. We have a meeting to get to. The camera changes position to show them inside the vehicle. George. So you said it was close to the Walgreens right? Alejandro. Yeah a couple of blocks away from it. What's on your mind George? You look a bit, flustered. George. I'm great actually. You know me Don. I'm in a great mood. Brandy and myself are great too. I just have this feeling you know. Not a bad feeling, but I feel like today is going to be a long day. I started cutting the lawn this morning and swear that the heat was so intense. Maybe it's the heat talking. Alejandro. I mean long days come every once in a while. There's nothing we can do about them. I'm sure it's just the heat getting to you. Wow, I can't recall the last time I actually did yard work. It seems like forever since I've actually moved a lawn mower. Maybe four or five years, maybe even longer. George. You should see my neighbor's lawn. I always try to care for my grass, my little trees, and the neighbor's lawn makes my lawn look like shit. It ain't right. It just ain't right. Alejandro. That's not right. George. It ain't right Don. It just ain't. I take time out of my day every so often and my neighbors don't even water their grass, much less cut it. It looks like complete shit. I've been tempted to go knock on their door. Alejandro. I mean is it young people that live in that house? George. I mean I see a kid come and go constantly. There's another man and woman that live in that house. I've counted three. I don't think the kid is their kid because they all look around the same age. I don't know much more but it's just irritating. Maybe I just complain too much. Alejandro gets a little smirk on his face and laughs a little. Alejandro. I mean, if it bothers you, you should deal with it. Maybe I just complain too much, I think we all sooner or later son. They pull into a gated community. George types in the code and the gate slowly opens. They pull up into a house with about four cars parked in the driveway. They both exit the vehicle and enter the house. The door is opened by Marco and they all begin walking through the hallway towards the dining table. Vireal sits at a corner in the far end. He waves with a smile. The camera moves around also showing Marco and John sitting down at the table. They wave also. We also see Don Rogelio sitting in the king's chair. 
He waves with a cynical smile as if almost purposely sitting there knowing it's the king's chair. We also see two unknown gentlemen sitting across all of them. Alejandro. Buenos dias. Julio. Gustavo. Villarreal. Don Rogelio. I hope you all are having a good morning so far. You all look younger every time I see you. I don't know if it's the water. Marco. John. I hope you all are doing very well. I call this meeting today because as you all know Fresa is in jail and her trucks do help us in bringing in merchandise. She's angry at the moment and has ordered them to stop moving our stuff but it's all temporary. She is not well at the moment but she will be. She has the best doctor in the country at her disposal. When she gets better, she will be released and it appears until then, we'll have to bring the merchandise some other way. I did speak to Pamita and he's as always in his own world. He'll be helping us bring in some stuff but he has asked for our help because he can't do it alone. Gustavo. I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. He was yelling and cussing out the bartender at some bar. Ha ha. That Pamita. Alejandro. Well we all know how Pamita is. He's never been the quiet one in the room. He mentioned to me that his daughter recently graduated. He was very proud and he thanked me for not killing him after all these years. Julio. She was always a bright one as kid. I remember meeting her when she was still in diapers. It's a tragedy to think that her mother passed away when she was six years old. You remember that? Don Rogelio. That poor little girl. You could see the sadness in her eyes. He raised her on his own. Villarreal. Pamita was never the same since. The whole thing did a real number on him. Gladly, his daughter wasn't affected as much as him. Alejandro. The graduation gift I sent her should arrive tomorrow hopefully. Don Rogelio. I sent her a nice little check. She was always sweet and respectful and we don't have enough of them like her. Julio. I sent her a gift basket with a bunch of goodies inside. Gustavo. Pamita was like a brother to me growing up. I gave her two tickets to Disneyland. Alejandro. No better place than the happiest place on earth. Everyone laughs along. Alejandro. As I was saying, we have money flowing. I'm not worried about money flowing. I'm worried about the drugs that need to brought from the other side. Pamita has the whole thing planned out. He spoke of three little trucks. He'll be driving one of them but he needs two people in each vehicle and he'll also need a passenger for himself. George. The old-fashioned way. Bringing it ourselves. Alejandro. Exactly. Gustavo. I mean that's not a bad idea. Don Rogelio. That's what we did in the old days kid. It hasn't been done in a couple years but it wouldn't hurt. Bringing the H and the C in our pickup trucks. I mean they'd have to be old pickup trucks. That's how we did it in my day when I first started. Julio. It's been years since we've done it like this. We have way more people in the border patrol than we did then. It should go well. George. They switch the patrol agents at random times now. They don't even tell the agents in what lane they'll be working ahead of time anymore. It's at random. They move them from one station to another every few hours. Alejandro. We have a good amount on the payroll, don't we? Villarreal. Yes, we have quite a few. Almost half. Don Rogelio. What about the other half? Villarreal. The other half are probably bought out by somebody else ha ha. Alejandro. Well, they're being paid for something. Marco. 
Now how safe is this? John. It's a fucking risk carnal. It's all a risk. We could die today, hell we could die tomorrow and just be nothing but a dead body in a coffin. Don Rogelio stands up with his chair moving. Don Rogelio. That's fucking ludicrous Johnny boy. But you're right. Ha ha ha. Don Rogelio sits back down laughing as everyone else joins in laughing. Gustavo. But just how much could two men alone bring in Alex? Alejandro. They'll bring as much as they can but we need to do it already. If it isn't Vegas knocking on our door, it'll be Colorado and then Oklahoma. Phase 1, George and Gustavo is stated already. Phase 2, John and Julio. Phase 3, Marco and Palmita. I'm sure it's better if Marco goes with Palmita because you tend to be the most calmest out of all three of you. We don't need Palmita getting rattled up. Marco. I'll be on my best behavior. I will. In case things go wrong, pull out the gun. Alejandro. Speaking of carrying a gun, as you all know, Mike is somewhere. Nobody knows where he is but we need to find him as soon as possible. He's on our radar and I need every one of you to be alert because who knows what he might do next. He's escaped the grasp of the FBI. We can't let him be roaming the streets. He's a danger to everyone around him and especially to himself. Marco. What do you want us to do if and when we find him? Alejandro. You contact me and I'll handle the rest. Don Rogelio. That poor boy really. You give the boy a family, a roof over his head, and he ends up like this. What a fucking shame. I'll never understand that one. Virreal. I find it hard to believe that he was able to escape the grasp of the FBI. He must have, powerful friends. Alejandro. I'll speak to the committee as soon as they can meet. The last thing we need is someone inside our organization feeding his ego and letting him run amok. Don Rogelio. The committee? They had the audacity to make me retire. Alejandro. We can't complain too much about that decision Don Rogelio. You were in hot water. They needed a new face at the top. I'm glad to say I haven't done that much of a bad job. I wouldn't be here in this position if it hadn't been with the help of everyone including yourself. I know we have lost a lot of people but that's what this business is. Although I didn't like the way John put it, he's right. We could go at any moment so therefore we should treasure every moment we have. George. The committee should be meeting in a couple of months. You can bring this up then. Alejandro. Yes, yes I will. Thank you George. Well, I think we can take a break on business for a while. Why not enjoy some sweet bread huh? John. I need to lay off sweets but I appreciate the sweet bread. George. You won't die if you eat one piece Johnny. Marco. Yeah what's the worst that happens if you eat a piece? They cut off a foot? Maybe two? John. Yeah basically. I don't want to be walking around with one foot. Imagine me with a fucking plastic foot. George. The technology is so advanced nowadays for that shit. I think you have the option of having a plastic foot or even a titanium foot. We need to look into it. Marco. Hey, there's nothing wrong with being half human and half machine. John. Well fuck you guys then ha. Alejandro. Is that a piggy? Alejandro reaches for the piggy and takes one bite with lust in his eyes. Everyone begins passing the boxes of sweet bread around and begin picking their favorite. The camera shows all of them choose carefully. Alejandro. Good stuff right there. Julio.
Oh shit. I forgot that I made some hot cocoa for the pan. Let me go get it. Julio exits the dining room as Don Rogelio is about to take a bite out of his pan. He stares at the pan and laughs a little before he speaks. Don Rogelio. Julio always with his fucking cocoa. Some people never change. At least it'll taste really good. He's probably a fool but boy does the man know his way around the cocoa. Alejandro. Most people don't change. Julio comes back with a jar of hot cocoa and pours hot cocoa for himself and then passes it around the table. It's passed from Julio to Gustavo. Gustavo then passes it to Don Rogelio. Don Rogelio begins pouring hot cocoa as he speaks. Don Rogelio. Most people don't change, you see, they become who they were always destined to be. He finishes pouring and passes it to Vireal as Alejandro smiles with Don Rogelio smiling as well. John grabs a pan from the box and stares at it for a moment. Vireal. Philosophy 101. Everybody take notes. Everybody laughs and the screen slowly fades in black. Dash. Scene 4. The other side of the law. 7.55 AM. October 29, 2048. The camera shifts to Y&T Law. The architects clearly didn't think of an original design and copied a Roman-like structure. Constructed clearly on a good side of the town because there isn't any strip malls near it. Traffic seems slow for it being a weekday. The only few cars going are driving by faster than they should. The camera shows a car entering the lot. The camera gets closer to see who is inside the vehicle. The sun appears to be shining bright. We see right away that it's Andrew. He checks his hair in the mirror for a second and gets out. He steps out with enthusiasm in his footstep. He reaches for his briefcase and steps out as the sun shines bright. He appears to be wearing a blue suit. Lawyers wear suits. Powerful people wear suits. He starts walking towards Y&T law firm and enters. The camera shows a lovely lady with glasses who clearly can't stop looking at Andrew as he enters the building. She stares him down and is checking him out but he doesn't even bother to notice because he has other thoughts on his mind. Receptionist. Good morning Mr. Hernandez. He smiles as he walks by. He doesn't even look at her long like most men would. Any man would look at her a little longer. Andrew. Good morning sweetheart. He continues walking down a hallway for almost a minute. The camera shows several offices with name plates on each of them at their entrances. He then reaches his office that says Andrew Hernandez, LLM as the camera then follows behind him into the office. He enters his office and sets his suitcase down. Less than 15 seconds later, an unknown man with a big smile on his face enters his office. God knows who has this much enthusiasm. Unknown man. Andrew, I had been meaning to talk to you for quite some time. Andrew. What can I do for you Mr. Yall? Mr. Yall. There's a case coming soon. Big case kid. Big case. I want the best of the best on it. And I want you to be at the top of it. I need someone I can trust. Somebody who will treat it like a son. Andrew. Well, two kids doesn't sound too bad. Mr. Yall. How is Carol holding up? Andrew. She's 32 weeks in. Yes sir, yes sir, but she's good. Great actually. I'm glad the mood swings never really kicked in during her pregnancy. Mr. Yall. Well, let her know that I said hello. And be glad because my wife was a cold stone bitch when she was pregnant. Well, I still can't stand my fucking wife but you know. Sometimes you got to live with your choices. I wasn't lucky like you, was I? 
You two were made for each other. Andrew. We were just two people who met at the right place at the right time. I got lucky, really lucky. She's the kind of woman that only comes once in your life. Mr. Yall. Well, treasure her kid. Let's hope you don't get to my age hoping your wife cheats on you so she can be left with nothing. My wife will never see a dime from this law firm unless I'm dead, so, fingers crossed. Ha ha ha. Andrew. Always with the uncomfortable jokes Mr. Yall. Mr. Yall. You gotta have some sense of humor kid. We all should. How's about me and you go golfing after lunch today? Andrew. I would sir but I can't today. Mr. Yall. Why not? Andrew. I made plans with my father. Mr. Yall. I thought your father had passed? Oh wait, yes yes you mentioned it to me already. How could I forget? Your biological father. I still can't believe it. You were an orphan. Andrew. Yeah I know. I didn't believe it either but he's a good man. I was supposed to have breakfast with him but I forgot I was meeting a client this morning. I called him and told him we could have lunch instead. Mr. Yall. That sounds interesting. Andrew. It's something alright ha. Huh? Mr. Yall. Ah well, I'll let you skip golf this time. But next time, bring your A-game. Andrew. Thank you for letting me skip golf this time. Oh, and thanks for the big case. I'll do the best I can do. Mr. Yall. I'm counting on you kid. Best of luck. Mr. Yall exits Andrew's office. The phone begins ringing and Andrew starts typing information into the computer as he listens to the phone call. Andrew. Clarissa Fernandez? Clarissa Fernandez. Yes of course. Send her in please. Clarissa Fernandez opens the door and enters his office. Andrew. How you doing today Mrs. Fernandez? Please come in. Clarissa. Good morning Mr. Hernandez. It's good for us to finally meet. Andrew. Please, have a seat. Clarissa. Thank you. Andrew. Would you like a water? Clarissa. Yes please. I could really use one. I don't drink enough water. Andrew. So I know very little about your case. Tell me about it please. I mean, I know it's fraud but what are the bigger details? Clarissa. I'm here today because I believe I have proof that the clinic is openly committing fraud. That's the big picture of course. Now my husband is a businessman not a doctor. He's just an investor so that makes him a board member. I can't tell you if he knows what they're doing. I'd like to believe that he doesn't but only God knows. Maybe he would know if he wasn't always taking business trips. Andrew. This sounds big. Real big charges. If what you're saying is true of course. And what role do you play in this? Or how do you know this? Clarissa. I always thought I could be more than a housewife and I'm glad to know my husband believed it also. I was always a smart girl but I didn't bother going to college. I'd always say one day I would go but I never did. He brought me on a couple of months ago to be the bookkeeper for the clinic. There's never a day when I'm not at the clinic really. Numbers are never ending. Andrew. Well, it's a good thing you came to me. I'm sure we can handle this. I do have to tell you that there's a possibility that if your husband knew about this, he will get prosecuted as well. You coming to a lawyer was a good move. Now, you are the bookkeeper and have been for only a couple of months. We need to assign a prosecutor to this case because we must first look through the actual paperwork. Next, the investigator will want to look into the former bookkeepers. 
maybe they know something. The paperwork itself won't be enough because their lawyers could put all of this on you. We'll also need old files of their paperwork. This is a very serious matter. Clarissa. I don't believe my husband was complicit. We've been married for 10 years. I'm willing to take that chance. Andrew. Well, I'm here to help then. Clarissa. Thank you I really appreciate you helping me out. I had been stuck on whether I should even get a lawyer and then what lawyer should I get, but an associate of mine recommended you to me. She begins looking around the office and glances at a wedding picture of Carol and Andrew. Andrew begins typing into the computer. Clarissa. How long have you and your wife been married? Andrew. We are going on, two years this coming up April. Yeah, two years. Two years strong. I'll need you to sign a couple of things before we go on. Let me type them up. Clarissa. Wow, that's great. That's really great. I can even see that look in your eyes in that picture. Andrew continues typing as he begins to speak. Andrew. What about my eyes? Clarissa. You know, that look that all girls wish they had from their significant other. The way you gaze at her not only looking at her but seeing through her and seeing all her flaws and all her imperfections but knowing that she's the one that was made for you and only you. Andrew. I knew I was in love the first day I met my wife. She was picture perfect. I didn't let that on obviously until later on because I didn't want to be a creeper, but I knew we were made for each other. Just the way we clicked. She was different but the kind of different made for me. Clarissa. I thought I always had that with my husband but now, I'm not so sure. Andrew. The facts will be found. Like you said, you don't believe he's complicit. He smiles with comfort. Andrew. Excuse me. Andrew exits his office and comes back quickly with some forms in his hands. Andrew. Here we go Miss Fernandez. I need you to sign here and here. And the last page also. Just to say that I'm going to be your lawyer handling everything and you accept me and allow me to handle this situation you're in. Legal mumbo jumbo. Clarissa. You know, sometimes I think back that I never should have quit the debate team in high school. Andrew. Maybe in another life you didn't. Mrs. Fernandez begins signing the papers with easiness. She doesn't have any regrets with coming to the authorities for what she's doing. A brave woman that doesn't know she just opened up a can of worms. The lid slowly loosens. Andrew. Thank you for coming sweetheart. I'll give you updates on the case and we'll be seeing each other soon. Clarissa. Thanks again. Really, thanks again. Bye. Andrew. Bye bye, take care Mrs. Fernandez. Clarissa smiles and walks out as if looking flushed. She exits the room and as the door closes behind her, the screen goes black. Dash. Scene 5. He has risen. 10.01 AM. October 4, 2013. The camera begins following Gabby and Eric in a busy hallway. A lot of loud voices, but there's no noise. They appear to be laughing from something because they're smiling. They walk towards the library and enter. Eric. I'm serious Gabby. I'm her favorite student. Why can't you just let me have this moment? Gabby. I guess we can let it rest there. You are the favorite student okay? Does that make you feel happy? Eric. Yes, yes it does, because I am the favorite. Gabby. Whatever floats your boat pal. Eric. We did pretty good on that project. The idea was good. We even brought a sample of the food. People seemed to like it because they ate it. Gabby. 
Who made it? Eric. My grandma. She's like the expert at that kind of food. Gabby. Aren't all grandmas experts at food in general? Eric. At least the ones I know. Time passes and it shows a montage of people entering and exiting the library in fast motion with Eric and Gabby moving around laughing and learning. They also write on a drawing board in fast motion practicing writing sentences in Spanish. Eric. That was fun. Gabby. Said no one ever bro. Eric. We got some progress done. Gabby. Oh shit, my mom just texted me that she's here. I'll see you later. She hugs Eric quickly and catches Eric off guard. He didn't know a hug was even coming so he wasn't able to hug her. He laughs at himself for being awkward but Gabby didn't even notice it so it's fine. Gabby. Bye. Eric. Bye. The camera shows Gabby walk towards the outside of the school. Eric begins walking outside in the other direction and runs into Jerry sitting down at the table with Luis and Silver. Eric sees them from a distance and approaches them. Jerry. How can you even say that way? Luis. Bro, Simon. Nita Nita, LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. How can you argue with me and tell me that Jordan was better? Jerry. I bet you think LeBron James is better than Michael Jordan don't you Silver? Silver. Bro, they both deserve respect, but the list of things that LeBron has done in his time in the NBA is more than Jordan ever did. Jerry. That ball hogger doesn't know what it means to pass the fucking ball. Luis. What do you think Chinito? Eric. I don't know. Jerry. Well, you need to sit down and watch SportsCenter at least for a little while. It's about time we make you into a man's son. Eric. I would but I'm too busy watching literally anything else that's on TV. Jerry. Cinemax I bet you sick sick kid. Eric. What comes out on Cinemax? Jerry. Act like you don't know kid, act like you don't know. Luis. Ah well, it's something we've all seen. All guys do it sooner or later. Jerry. With everything on the internet nowadays oh yeah, for a while now. Eric. Some of us just started with that stuff sicko, we're not all experts like you man. The camera shows Robert from a distance and begins walking towards them clutching his backpack tightly. Jerry notices him right away. Eric doesn't seem to notice. Robert asks if he can sit down with them and as soon as he does, Luis and Silver look at each other awkwardly. Jerry and Eric don't flinch or move a muscle. The table gets completely quiet because they all know Robert. Robert. What's up? Eric. How you been man? I, I haven't seen you in a couple of days. Robert. Hey well, I haven't been feeling that well lately. One of those days you know? Jerry. Days, weeks, months. Robert. Hey you shut the foo. Eric. Whoa. Robert. I'm sorry. Eric. Yeah I understand man. Life gets hard sometimes. Jerry. Yeah, like my dick, ha ha ha. Robert. What dick? Jerry. Who has a ruler? Let's pull them out right here right now and see whose is longer? Robert. Hey, I don't know. Jerry. What happened big dick? Everyone around the table tries hard not to laugh. Eric. Hey chill out bro. Robert. Yeah chill out Jerry. Jerry. I'm chill as fuck.
Eric. I try to be. Robert. So, Eric, I heard you're still hanging out with Gabby? Eric. Yeah man, she was my partner in Spanish class. Why? Robert. Nah. I was just wondering you know. How did you all meet? Eric. In Spanish class. Robert. Just like nothing, you two struck up a conversation? Eric. Well, kinda. Robert. Sorry for being nosy, I just still can't believe it that Gabby would hang out with someone like you. Eric. Someone like me? Robert. Yeah, you know, someone that's big like you. Eric. I mean we're just friends hanging out, not getting married or anything long term. Even if we were, it's not unnatural. Robert. What the hell are you talking about? It's fucking unnatural. Fat people mixing in with skinny people? It's perverse. Eric. I mean some of us know what it means to eat. And some of us know what it means to not be judgmental to overweight people. Robert. I've been going through some stuff man. Someone has to pay for my pain. Jerry. Nobody deserves to be paying for your bullshit bro, much less Eric right here. Robert. Are you afraid of me Eric? Eric. I uh, um. Robert. Jerry, you afraid of me? Jerry. No. Robert. Well, you should be. Jerry. No. Robert. I'll tell you all a little story. Jerry. We're good bro. Robert. Shut the fuck up. Jerry holds back his laugh and everyone listens to Robert's story. Robert. I'll tell you all this little story because one day if the world ends, you'll hear it. I just recently found out the truth about myself. I wasn't supposed to be born. Jerry. I mean a good amount of us were mistakes man. My dad nutted by accident. Robert. My mom went to go see a witch because she tried aborting me three times. The abortion failed each time. Eric. How is that possible? Robert. The witch told my mom that she was carrying a prophet inside of her and that's why each abortion failed. Can you believe that? I'm a prophet like Moses. I had to be a prophet to survive three abortions. I just wouldn't die. Eric. Like Moses from the Bible? Robert. Like Moses from the Bible Eric. Yes. Eric. Well um. Robert. You don't believe me? Don't worry about it, nobody ever believes me. I can't tell you how many times I've told this story and people either stay quiet or laugh at me. See. You all are quiet. You don't believe me. I didn't believe my dad when he told me all this either. Eric. What changed your mind? Robert. You see, my dad has a couple of guns in his closet. One here and one there. I went to get one of his handguns and loaded the gun with six bullets. It was a revolver pistol. The kind that people use in Russian roulette. I took the safety off and aimed it at my head trying to end my life. Six times, and each time I checked and there were six bullets in the chamber. The weapon didn't fire for any of those times. That's the day I realized I'm different than all of you. I'm a rarity in the world. Eric. That's, that's pretty serious stuff man. Robert. This is real stuff. I'm living in the real world. Everyone else here is living in a fantasy world. I worry for everyone else that doesn't know about this about me. Maybe they'd act differently around me. Jerry. Should we be preparing for end of days almighty? Robert. 
Make jokes man, make them all you want, but you don't know what awaits this place you all call reality. Eric's phone starts ringing in his pocket. He pulls it out and nods with the phone against his ear. Eric. Well, my ride's here. Good luck and um, I'll see you guys tomorrow. Jerry. Eerie. Eric. I'm sorry man I gotta run, my grandma's here. Eric bolts out of there because he couldn't walk away sooner. Eric continues walking away and goes towards a red car. He enters the car and we see his grandma inside the vehicle. They begin driving away and the camera follows them. The camera switches to inside of the red car. Voiceover. One of my grandmas. She was the sweetest woman I had ever met. She had lost my grandpa a couple of years back and still stands tall. Not too many women can say they pulled through after that. I'm proud of how strong she was. It was a routine that had been going on for a while already. Danny my uncle must have been asleep since he himself didn't come pick me up. They both lived at my uncle Eddie's house. He was a cop and his wife was a bank manager. They were constantly either going or coming. My grandma spoke only spoke Spanish but when she spoke. All I heard was English. Grandma. How was your day mijo? Eric. I won't lie to you grandma, my day was good. Grandma. What should you eat today? Eric. Did you make anything today? Grandma. I made some white rice with the green leaf. Oh. I also made some chicken salad but without veggies just the way you like it. Eric. That's awesome. What about you? How was your day? Grandma. Well, I had a really good day. Every day is a gift from the Lord above. Eric. That's true. The camera goes black and it opens up to his uncle's house on the inside. A girl around Eric's age sits on the couch. She has the television on but she's not even paying attention to it. Grandma. My little Denise. You're home early. Is everything okay? Denise. Everything's good. I just got out of school early. Grandma. Why Han? Denise. My head was hurting. It was one of those migraines. Grandma. I'm so sorry mama. I have some painkillers if you need one. Denise. Thanks grandma, but my mom already gave me a couple. Grandma. Well I guess I'm lucky. I made some chicken salad and white rice. Maybe a little too much. Come eat with Eric. Denise. That sounds bomb. I'll be right there. Eric. I haven't seen you in forever. You are never here when I'm here. He hugs Denise and Denise hugs back. Eric, voiceover. Ah Denise. She was my cousin. This was her house or her parents' house. Her parents were workaholics like my dad. They had nice things and encouraged Denise to apply herself. They wanted the best and had big plans in mind for her so they sent her to the school with all the smart kids. She always thought she was smarter than me for some reason. Her many victories at Monopoly over me might be sufficient evidence that maybe she was. Denise. It's only been a couple of days you big goof. Eric. A couple of days is a long time. I mean we spent most of the summer here at your place. Denise. Well that's true, but you weren't always here. You hung out with Roland way more this past summer so don't be saying you were always here. Eric. Okay, I mean, maybe I did. Denise. How is Roland? Eric. He's good. Ever since he moved away, it just hasn't been the same you know. Denise. 
I mean, he was your next door neighbor and now he's not. I can see how it's not the same anymore. Eric. He was one of main brothers. Denise. And what am I? Eric. You're a girl. Denise. I can't be a bro? Eric. No ha. You can be my cousin if you want. Denise. I'm good, thanks for the offer though ha. Eric. Let's just go eat I'm starving. Denise. Me too. They begin walking towards the kitchen and the camera shows pictures showing some of Denise and her family. One with her mom and dad at Disney World with the big castle in the background. Another with Eric and Denise posing together when they were little kids. They enter the kitchen as the camera shows a red kitchen. Red fridge, red sink, red microwave, red oven. Somebody really liked red. They take a seat at the black dining table nearby. Eric. Where's Danny grandma? Don't tell me he's still asleep? Ama. He's probably sleeping. I've been telling him to get a job but he doesn't listen. Eric. I think I'm ready to eat. Danny stands in the corner of the kitchen leaning against the fridge without a shirt on. The camera shows a tattoo that says Dr. Feel Good across his hairy chest. Danny. Are you ready? I know I am. Ah. He flexes his biceps almost turning red. Danny. I'm ready to kick some ass. Woo. He begins walking towards Eric tickling him and showing off his biceps. Danny. Alright. Alright. I'll put the guns away. Grandma. Oh please behave yourself boy. Get a shirt on too. Danny. Calm down mama. I'm just having some fun. Chillax mode ama, chillax mode. Are you chillax Denise? How you doing ma? He sits down at the kitchen table right next to Denise. Denise. Haha, yeah I'm good. Danny. Chillax mode Eric? Eric. Chillax mode. Voiceover. My uncle Eddie invited them to live with them after my grandpa passed and I'm glad he did. My uncle Danny was the youngest one when my grandpa passed away. He was the one most affected by his death so his decisions weren't always the best but I loved him regardless. This family was something. Moments with all of us together always brought warmth to my heart. Well, school was getting easier but somehow Robert just kept getting stranger. The chicken salad was great actually and with no vegetables actually made it better. It's like grandma knew me. No veggies, extra mayo. Genius. The crackers had just the right crunch too. The rice was a whole other story. Buttered with a little green leaf she would put in it. Awesome but spectacular when it was all eaten together. Ama. How's the rice? Eric is seen eating the food with a smile on his face as both Denise and Eric start eating the food. Eric. It's very good. No complaints from this side. Denise. Esta delicioso. Eric. Practicing your Spanish I see. Denise. If I don't practice now, I won't pass the AP test. Danny. What are you all eating? Eric. Chicken with mayo. You want some? Eric grabs some with a cracker and extends his reach to Danny. Voiceover, continued. My uncle hated mayo, so I did the manly thing of putting some mayo near his face. Danny. Arf. Arf. I'll sit way the hell over here on the other side. Eric and Denise smile at each other with Danny taking a seat and the camera zooming back as they all continue talking. The screen goes black and the scene ends. Dash. Scene 5.
The Abduction of Alejandro Galdams Part 1 1.05 PM October 29, 2048 The sound is silent. The scene shifts to a Mexican restaurant. El Cordial. We see a overhead view of the place. There's seven occupied tables all scattered throughout the restaurant. We see Joel walking around going table to table. The entrance door creaks. The camera shifts to Andrew entering. He enters and sits at a table in the middle of the place. He sits down and the door opens to a creak with Alejandro entering. Alejandro undoes his suit buttons as the door slowly closes behind him. He slowly enters the establishment as the camera quickly showed Andrew tell Joel something. Joel smiles and walks away into the kitchen. Andrew. Dad. He attempts to go for a hug and switches it to a handshake. Andrew. How have you been? He shakes his hand firmly and brings him in for a hug. Alejandro. Good, great actually. I've been having a good week. I can't say I've had a week this good in a while honestly. Andrew. That's great dad. It's nice knowing that things are going well for you. Alejandro. I used to complain often. I'm trying to complain less and less. It's a win-win for everybody. Leah comes out of the kitchen wearing her uniform and walks towards Alex and Andrew. Andrew and Leah greet each other with a kiss on the cheek and she greets Alejandro with a hug. She then sighs and takes the seat next to Andrew. Leah. So what's up guys? Do you like the restaurant? Andrew. It's a nice place. Leah. There's actually a lot of people now. You all came when there's people now. The place just slowly started to get more and more people into the seats. Alejandro. Well keeping busy is better than not keeping busy ha. Huh? The server arrives and stands in front of all of them. She stares at them in silence. She sighs and then begins speaking. Server. Leah. Pause. Server. What will you all be having to drink today? Alejandro. I'll be having a glass of water with a lime. Server. With a lime. You sir? Andrew. I'll have the same thing. Wait. On second thought, I'll have a Coke. I haven't had a Coke in a while now. Something different. Alejandro. This kid has the right idea. Server. Do you want anything Leah? Leah. No, I'm good. Thank you. Server. Okay. Be right back. The server walks away slowly. Andrew. What's wrong with the server? Leah. None of us know what's wrong with her. How's work going for you today Andy? Andrew. I just got assigned to some real big case for Y&T so, things are looking up I guess. Alejandro. What's the case? Andrew. He didn't say but he's having countless of us on it and he wants me to lead it. Alejandro. Well, I'm sure it's going to be a good case then. Andrew. I hope so. It's the biggest project I've been assigned so far in my career at Y&T actually. I was a bit nervous when the boss told me that I would be leading it. I've been in law enough to know not to act nervous in front of the big guy but my palms did sweat a little. Alejandro. You didn't want to look weak in front of your boss? Andrew. Not weak necessarily but more like, vulnerable. It could imply that maybe I don't have enough confidence in myself. I have to show face, you know. Alejandro. Yes, as a former businessman myself, I know exactly what you mean. You need confidence, even if you have to fake it. Baloney after baloney but if you believe it, everyone will. Leah.
strong in public but scared in private. I get it. Andrew. Basically ha. The camera shifts to the entrance. Two police officer enters the restaurant with every step being loudly heard. The camera shows their police uniform and their eyes covered by sunglasses. The perfect place to hide your true self. One of them slowly begins walking around looking like he's going to take a seat at a booth but keeps on walking. He walks past Joel. The hostess is nowhere to be seen. Joel begins speaking in whispers to one officer. The other officer continues walking around as if looking for something or someone. He makes his way back to Joel and the other officer. The camera shows everyone continue laughing and speaking in the restaurant. Alejandro notices police officers from his side but doesn't react or even pay too much attention to them. Joel. Our valued customers, can I have your attention please? Officer Bradley has a few things that he needs our corporation with. Officer Patrick. Good afternoon everyone. We are looking for the owner of the black sedan outside everyone. License plate TOSCH5. This vehicle was reported stolen a couple of days ago and we've reason to believe that the perpetrator may be armed and dangerous. The officer's name tags on their uniforms become visible in view. They read Officer Bradley and Officer Patrick. Alejandro. This vehicle wasn't reported stolen. It belongs to me and I don't recall reporting it stolen. He slowly sits up and stands up getting out of the booth. One of the officers speaks into his walkie-talkie. Officer Bradley. I'm going to need a wrecker immediately. We found the stolen vehicle and the man who presumably stole it. Innocent until proven guilty over. Affirmative. Officer Bradley. Do you have proof that this vehicle belongs to you, sir? Alejandro. Yes. Officer Bradley. Let's see your license, sir. Alejandro smiles a little and pulls out his license slowly and hands it to Officer Bradley. The officer begins looking over it. He eyeballs the license and Alejandro. Officer Bradley. Hmm. Officer Patrick. Is that a weapon I see hiding, sir? You do know you aren't allowed to have any concealed weapons in this building? Would you please open up your suit for us? Alejandro unbuttons his suit as Officer Patrick searches him and finds a gun. Alejandro. Ha, I have a license for that. I live in Texas for a reason. Officer Bradley. It's still illegal, sir. And this license, this license you handed me doesn't match with the owner of the vehicle. Looks like we'll need to bring you into town. Perhaps for a misunderstanding but also for entering a public place with a firearm. Last I checked, that's a felony Mr. Alejandro Galdams. I wonder what else we'll find out about you. Alejandro. I see. I see. You're placing me under arrest? Alejandro realizes that something is out of the ordinary. Officer Patrick. We don't want to make a scene, sir. I'm going to put handcuffs on you because it looks like you may be a threat. Please do remain calm. I'd just cooperate if I was you. Alejandro slowly puts his hands on his head. Andrew stands up from the booth. Andrew. Hey, wait a minute. Officer Bradley. Stand down, sir. We have the hostile situation under control. I suggest you take your seat unless you want to be charged with him. Andrew takes his seat slowly. Andrew. Dad, what the hell's going on? Alejandro. It's just a misunderstanding. A big one. Andrew. But you're concealing a weapon? Alejandro. Yes. Andrew. Why would you carry a concealed weapon? Leah. Who would have reported the vehicle stolen if it belongs to you?
Andrew. Is there something you're not telling us? Leah. You've had that vehicle since we met you but that gun. Why would you carry a gun? Who are you protecting yourself from? Alejandro. It's just a misunderstanding. I'll sort it out. What these officers are doing is illegal anyways. The case will get tossed out. They stand Alejandro up and begin moving him. Alejandro. Bethany Guerra. She's my lawyer. I need you to call her and tell her we have a 143. She'll handle this. She'll know what to do. Andrew. But. Alejandro. Please. Andrew. Bethany Guerra. 143. Alejandro gives Andrew a pleading look on his face. Andrew nods with a worried look on his face. Officer Bradley puts Alejandro's hands behind his back and handcuffs Alejandro. Click click. Alejandro whispers. You don't realize who you just abducted but something tells me you will soon find out. Get me out of here, immediately. Officer Bradley. Let's go. The two officers begin escorting Alejandro out of the restaurant. Leah and Andrew just keep staring into the thin air in silence. Leah rubs her forehead. Andrew looks shocked and confused at the same time. Server. Here's your water with limes and the coke. She walks away as both Leah and Andrew draw blanks to what just happened as the screen goes black. The scene opens immediately and shows Alejandro sitting in the vehicle ending where it started. The camera switches to a frontal view and shows Officer Bradley almost smile as Alejandro sits still, powerless and alone. He stares at the driver of the police car with such intent trying to understand the situation. The screen goes black immediately. 